This is the Statman Sports Podcast, where we keep topics in context. This is your host, Steve Duffus, who is still wondering why the Seahawks didn't run the ball. Ah, it's a beautiful day to talk sports, baby. Welcome to episode number 88 of the Statman Sports Podcast. This is your host, Steve Duffus. The NFL Week 1 is back. Man, the NFL is back. I am back. We took two weeks off to recharge, to recoup, get ourselves together, and have some new content for you guys. And I cannot wait to share that with you, man. Whoo, man, the NFL is back. So many storylines. The NBA as well. Tonight, we're going to get an awesome Game 7 between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. I can't even believe that. How is that series going to seven games? Tom Brady is looking 42 years old. Drew Brees as well. Ah, man, the Tennessee Titans still having kicking issues. Aaron Rodgers is still a bad man. And so many other storylines we're going to get to. But before we get into all that, guys, I want to thank you so much for showing, being shown the support. If you've been here for the first time or if you're coming here for the first time, thank you so much for listening to your friends, for coming in from wherever you are coming from. We greatly appreciate you uh, tuning in and spending some time with me today on this podcast, man. We're all about the numbers, all about the analytics. So we're going to break those down to go over some of the topics that we're going to talk to. But today I want to focus on the NFL season and especially recapping week one. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and how that new offense looks in the year two with Matt LaFleur. I want to talk about the Tennessee Titans and their kicking woes, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. What is the outlook for their season and overall just recap what we thought were some of the outstanding things of week one in the nfl and of course i'm going to talk about the clippers and the nuggets and a preview of the eastern conference in the nba the eastern conference finals man i just can't wait to get to it man i can't wait to share i can't wait for you guys to hear it so with no further ado let's just get right into it what are you talking about bro huh what are you talking about man What? <laughs> Bro, what are you talking about, man? So let's just start right away with the hot topic of the week, man. It's all about Tom Brady, because for the last 20 years, that's all we've been hearing. Tom Brady, Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the Patriots, AFC, AFC East Championships, the Super Bowl, Tom Brady winning, blah, 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 blah. That's all we've been hearing for the last 20 years. So finally, for the first time, and I must admit, this felt pretty weird to see Tom Brady in a different uniform and different colors that were not the New England Patriots colors. Tom Brady started off his Buccaneers career in the Superdome against the New Orleans Saints, against Drew Brees, another Hall of Fame quarterback. Man, the numbers between those two quarterbacks is one to behold. They, For the first time ever in NFL history, you had two quarterbacks close to the age of, well, in the, with the ages of 40, both starting for Super Bowl winning franchises. And the numbers are just ridiculous and astounding. Those guys combined for a total of 150,000 yards together between those two quarterbacks, man. That's ridiculous. They have over 900 touchdowns. <laughs> that's nuts, man. That's, that's just insane. That's just insane numbers for two quarterbacks. But the focus was not really on Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, even though they put the smackdown on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because everybody was hyping up the Buccaneers. And I was not one of those people because, as I've learned over the years, with so many super teams, quote-unquote, coming together over the course of the times I've been watching sports, the Boston Celtics, 
the Miami Heat. We have who, who, which other super team we had in the NFL? We had the Denver Broncos and the Green Bay Packers. A few of the teams that were put together that everyone thought, well, they're going to run through everyone and win the championship. Newsflash, people. Not because you put a super roster together means you're going to win football games. And that's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look like. They signed Leonard Fournette after he got cut. Obviously, they signed Tom Brady. He brought back Rob Gronkowski. They have Mike Evans. But yet, on Sunday, Tom Brady's favorite target was a player by the name Scotty Miller who came to the game with a total of 12 receptions for his career. And that was Tom Brady's target. You know why? Because Mike Evans, him and Mike Evans did not have the connection that we seem to have. Now, to their defense and to everyone else's defense, I don't think that can be used as an excuse because a lot of other teams look well without OTAs, without long training camps, without preseason. So are we really going to use this as an excuse to talk about why Tom Brady just looked awful? Let's just say what it is. Tom Brady looked 43 years old. Father time always comes for everyone. And I know for some of you, and I've even said it myself, sometimes Monday, and in this case Tuesday, we tend to overreact after a week one, especially the beginning of a season. But this is very particular. Bruce Arians, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I said, they built a super team. They're ready to compete for Super Bowl. Everybody's talking about them winning that division, forgetting that the New Orleans Saints still have the best continuity going on in that division. They still have the best quarterback in the division. They still have the best coach in the division. They play in a consistent offense. They know what they want to do. The Tampa Bay still figuring figure, figuring out themselves. I can never pronounce that word properly. <laughs> they still try to figure out themselves. So it was expected that they were going to lose this game. But it's not that they lost the game. But in the manner they lost the game, Tom Brady looked frustrated. He did not have the connection he, he's had for the last 20 years with receivers. And that's understandable. But one thing is going to be very clear and obvious. Bruce Arians, just like Bill Belichick, he does not have any remorse whether you're a star player or not if you made a mistake he will call you out how would tom brady be able to deal with that in the public eye because as we know in new england the culture was around bill belichick you get called out in front of everyone in private while they're having their film sessions bruce arians he doesn't care he just call you out so how would tom brady deal with that six nine super bowl winner arguably the greatest quarterback of all time the greatest football player of all time now past his prime in his career. And by the way, speaking of passing his prime, he has tied the record, always on the consecutive record, of throwing a pick six. You know who has the record? Remember that guy called Matt Schaub who used to be the quarterback for the Texans? Yeah, that guy. So that's how bad Tom Brady's been playing the last three games, dating back to the playoffs last year when he threw a pick six to practically end his career with the New England Patriots. So... All in all, I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as bad as they look yesterday, I still believe they're going to be okay. But I don't think they are going to be good enough to beat the New Orleans Saints, who, like I previously said, they have the continuity in that division. They have everything going for them. They have a system that they know what they want to do. Everybody knows their roles. While in the meantime, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and even the Atlanta Falcons, they're going to try to figure things out as they go along in the regular season. But it was exciting. I know... 
my take might be an overreaction to many oh it's only week one like i said you yourself said it there's no otas no training camp none of that so tom brady and the buccaneers would be okay i'm not sure about that but we'll see but we'll see so i want to transition over then to to me the quarterback in my estimation that played the best some of you might gonna call me a homer now because i'm a green bay packer but aaron Rodgers is still a bad man Still a bad man. So what does it look like now that they drafted Jordan Love? I think Aaron Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove to not just the Green Bay organization, but to everyone else. Oh, you guys think I'm washed up? Really? Well, take this. Take it. 364 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 130.4 quarterback rating against one of the top 10 defenses in the NFL last season in the Minnesota Vikings. That's what Aaron Rodgers did. Oh, and by the way, everyone was saying, including myself, oh man, Aaron Rodgers need more weapons more than Devontae Adams because teams are going to double team him. Well, guess what? Devontae Adams pulled me wrong as well. Devontae Adams ended up with 12 catches, 164 yards, and two touchdowns. Oh my goodness gracious. Granted, granted, the Minnesota Vikings corners, the young corners, rookies they're still trying to get their stuff together and just like everyone else like i said just like everyone else there was no otas no training camp so i will cut him some slack i really will cut him some slack but if aaron Rodgers is gonna play like this or even 80 percent of what he played in game one on week one of the regular season not just the nfc will be in trouble the entire nfl will be in trouble there was a bold prediction that i made i said aaron Rodgers. Would probably end up winning MVP this season in the NFL because he has something to prove. Well, some people might say, but well, why is Aaron Rodgers gonna do that? Didn't they go 13 and 3 last year? But if you look at the game, if you just put the box score aside, if you just look at the game, Aaron Rodgers does not look the same. The Packers was trying to figure out that Matt LaFleur offense. They were trying to figure out a lot of kings. And now in year two that they got it together, they had an entire offseason to work on these things. They had moments where they had to you know figure out what they're going to do in certain situations uh situation of football they, they wanted to figure out what to do in fourth down because at moments last year they looked like they were a bit lost but at the same time now we're going to see what Aaron Rodgers is made of now we're going to see how what Matt LaFleur is made of well we know what Aaron Rodgers is made of so let me rephrase that we know what Aaron Rodgers has done over the course of his career but now we're going to see post Mike McCarty Aaron Rodgers now we're going to see what other things can Matt LaFleur get out his Hall of Fame quarterback and as a Green Bay Packer fan I'm excited to see the direction this team is going to go in yeah I was I was quite a bit skeptical when I looked at the schedule I said man it's going to be a tough few games but again if Aaron Rodgers is going to look like that if the defense is going to look like that after week one man oh boy this season is going to be a good one for the Green Bay Packers then the 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 real <laughs> topic of the week one nfl season of course i'm going to recap the rest of the week at the end of the segment but the tennessee titans after getting stephen gaskowski who was a former new england patriot these dudes still have kicking woes if you stayed up late last night and you watched that game, the score ended 16-14 with a last-minute field goal to win the game for the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry was Derrick Henry, 31, 31 carries, 119 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, he did enough to keep the Titans in the game. But man, 
what is wrong with the kicking in the NFL nowadays? Like, what is really happening? The Tennessee Titans, they if they don't get it together, again, we all like to overreact after week one. But one thing is pretty obvious since last year. If you cannot kick field goals, if you cannot make extra points, if you cannot, if you cannot get points up when you are in the red zone, at minimum, if you cannot get three points, you are in deep trouble. For those of you listeners who don't understand what I'm trying to get at here, you need to get this. Scoring in the NFL is difficult. The way I explain it to people who don't watch football is think about it this way. Some people might say, well, 10 yards is not that many yards to get. Well, that's exactly why the NFL is difficult. You would think to get 10 yards on each play would be very easy, but it's not. So just imagine. <laughs> imagine. Look, look for example, at the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, big welcome back. Big Ben, he also had an amazing game. Three touchdowns, three touchdowns, 334 yards. An amazing QB rating. He had a game of his life, you would say. You know, coming back for, from, the, from the horrible season injury that he had last year so shout out to him daniel jones also looked great but my point is with why i'm bringing them up is the new york giants had a 19 play drive on monday night football and it ended up with zero points because daniel jones didn't take a sack he didn't throw the ball away but he threw an interception at the four yard line it's very difficult to score in the nfl so when you get a chance to score you need to get those points at minimum my philosophy has always been in football you don't always have to go forward on fourth down. You don't always have to score a touchdown. As long as you keep the pressure on, if you keep scoring points, your opponent has to do the same. And that puts your defense at an advantage because they can put their head down and they can get after the quarterback. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers did against the New York Giants. Saquon Barkley, by the way. <laughs> the first time, this is the first time since 1960 that a running back had 15 carries and less than 10 yards. Saquon Barkley, the second pick in the draft. Saquon Barkley, who everybody thought is going to have a breakout year. Again, it's only week one. And I know you hear this a lot. We are going to overreact. But man, that was a dud by Saquon Barkley. Those of us playing fantasy football, we were like, what the heck? 15 carries for six yards? But that speaks volumes to the Pittsburgh Steelers run defense. The Giants O-line had no answer for them last night. Would they keep up for the rest of the season? The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to keep up like this? Of course, they're going to face better O-lines in the upcoming season. They're going to see Lamar Jackson twice. So we'll see how good they really are. So that's not much to worry about, but that was an eye-opener seeing what Saquon and Daniel Jones did in that Monday night game. But the Tennessee Titans need to figure out their kicking game, man. They just need to figure that out because if they don't figure that out, they're going to have a long season, even with King Henry running the football. So to end this segment, I want to go over what I thought were the who, well, what and who I thought were the big winners for week one in the NFL season. I'll start out with the Washington football team. <laughs> Man, I should be so serious saying that, but it's so difficult, like just saying the name. The Washington football team, they have a new coach. They have a new name, obviously. They have a new president. They're trying to create a new culture. And apparently, they have new results. Do you guys know? By the way, did you know? Did you know? The Washington Redskins are 1-0, and everyone else in the division is 0-1. The Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, and the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Washington gave the Eagles that loss because Carson Wentz looked terrible. 
that Washington defensive line is amazing. They sacked Carson Wentz eight times. Eight times. Eight times. They had 27 unanswered points. Philly, they, matter of fact, they were like, yo, let's spot Philly 17 points and then let's make this game interesting. They end up winning the game 27, 27 to 17. So to me, to me, to me, Dwayne Haskins and the boys after releasing Agent Peterson, they look pretty bad. But then at the end of the game, you're like, well, we made the right decision. So that, to me, was a big win for the Washington Redskins. And the, the second winner for week one to me was Russell Wilson. He had one of the third best games passing-wise in NFL history. He finished with an 88.6 completion for 322 yards and four touchdowns. He finished with 30. He finished completing 31 of 35 passing, 143.1 passer rating. That's ridiculous. They beat. They just beat the Atlanta Falcons 38-25. Again, the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan's the story of his career. You throw for a bunch of yards, but you create turnovers when you don't need to. So, it's. And on his resume, it's always going to be the 28-3 Super Bowl debacle. That will be forever on his resume. Even though he's a winning quarterback, MVP quarterback, that's just the gist of it, man. But the Seahawks, kudos to them. Russell Wilson, he looks like he's taking another step in his career. So I am excited to see if he's finally going to win his first MVP this regular season. The other person and the other team that's a winner to me is the Arizona Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins. That that trade looked crazy in March. Everybody was going nuts as to why did the Texans trade DeAndre Hopkins? Well, now you know why the Cardinals went after him. Because in the upset of the 49ers, Colin Murray hit his number one wide receiver 14 times on 16 targets for 151 yards. A 33-yard catch and run in the fourth quarter that practically nuked the game for the Arizona Cardinals. So DeAndre Hopkins is a big winner. He has he finally has a system where I feel that they cannot do so many things like they did with him in the Texans. So he'll have he'll have a good run with Kyler Murray and that often fits him very well. Also the big winners. Again another name that baffles me, the Las Vegas Raiders. Formerly the Oakland Raiders. So their run game look pretty amazing and it looks pretty well. Josh Jacobs, which a lot of people didn't necessarily want to draft in fantasy, by the way. If you play fantasy football, you should sign up for that. He ran for 139 total yards. It was very impressive. He ran between the tackles. The offensive line looked great. So to me, the Las Vegas Raiders were a big runner. They also finally started the season 1-0, man. They looked pretty, pretty, pretty good. So if they keep running the ball like this, I think they can go places this year. Also, a big winner. A person who I never thought I'd put on this list. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. During the offseason in OTAs, a lot of people were talking about how Mitch didn't look that great. Well, in game one against the Detroit Lions, he looked amazing. He looked like Aaron Rodgers. He looked like Tom Brady. He looked like Joe Montana. That's what he looked like because the Detroit Lions gave up 21, <laughs> 21 points in the second half. That let, they let the stagnant, stagnant Chicago Bears offense come back in that game. And it was just... <sighs> It was just frustrating to see. I remember switching over back to Fox after the Packers game was over and the end of that game was coming on within the Bears and the Lions. Matthew Stafford drove down the field. He threw a perfect pass through the pylon and the rookie running back could not get the catch and the Detroit Lions lost the game. Man, it was just heartbreaking because as a Packer fan, we always tease the Lions that they're terrible. They're not very good at anything. And to see them lose the game in that manner, a drop pass by a rookie, man. That's painful. But again, again, that's been the Lions franchise. 
what can you say? Did we not see that coming? <laughs> we did see that coming. So it's like, well, here's what it is. The other winners for me, the last two winners in week one, man. Bill Belichick. Everybody, again, everybody was talking about, oh, Tom Brady is the system. Tom Brady is the one that won him all the Super Bowls. Tom Brady was this, Tom Brady that. New England this, New England that. Nobody was giving Bill Belichick the credit he deserved. Or at least some were not giving Bill Belichick the, the credit he deserves. I don't want to call no names. Those people know who they are. You need a great coach to win Super Bowls. We also need a great quarterback. Their tandem was amazing in New England. But as you can see now, again, week one, we don't want to roll react. But look what he's doing with Cam Newton. Cam Newton broke the record for rushing yards by a New England Patriot in the last... <laughs> The existence 75 yards 15 uh, 15 15 uh, completions 100 and some odd yards 30, 75 rushing yards two touchdowns for cam newton he looked like the carolina cam newton bill belichick does whatever it takes to win if he's going to run the ball he runs the ball he has a quarterback that can run the ball he will run the ball tom brady in three seasons has 74 yards rushing cam newton had 75 in one game less than three quarters he had 75 yards rushing so to me, Bill Belichick was a winner because he's proven to anyone. It doesn't matter if I have Tom Brady or not. Tom Brady, Bob Brady, the Brady Bunch, it doesn't matter. New England Patriots are still going to win the AFC East again because he has Cam Newton and his quarterback. And finally, the big winner to me, the big winner to me for week one is Aaron Donald. In baseball, we can easily say that Mike Trout is on his way to becoming the best baseball player ever. And... For Aaron Donald, I'll make the same statement. We are right now in route of calling Aaron Donald the best defensive tackle ever. When these guys, when him and Mike Trout hit the center stage for LA, man, these teams are just winning. It's just ridiculous. Aaron Donald, you, for me as an analytics guy, as a numbers guy, I like to prove a point. You, I also have learned over the years that all the numbers don't tell the whole story. People say, well, well, Aaron Donald doesn't get a bunch of sacks. What, you guys think sacks, getting sacks is only playing defense? Aaron Donald is practically doubled and triple team every single play. That's how you tell the statue of a man. That's how you tell how great a player is. If you're literally not, this is not figurative. This is literal. If you watch the games against the Dallas Cowboys, there was not a single play. There was single coverage. Matter of fact, there was actually one. And Aaron Donald got a sack. Practically, that's saying if you give this man an opportunity, he will wreck shop with your quarterback. And that's what Aaron Donald is all about. And right now, what I've seen from Aaron Donald, again, it's only week one. But then again, I'm going about the last couple seasons. Aaron Donald is just a wrecking crew. Again, he is on his way to becoming the best defensive tackle in football history. Yeah, I said it. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, you have a message you want to share to the world, or you think it would be fun to have your own sports show like I do for the Statman Sports Podcast, podcasting is very easy, inexpensive, and is a fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your own podcast. And since I have my podcast on Buzzsprout, is one of the easiest decisions i've ever had to make your show can be online it can be listed in all the major podcast directories like apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording so podcasting isn't that hard 
when you have the right partners. And the team with Buzzsprout is passionate at helping you succeed. So I would encourage you to join the thousands of podcasters that are already online with Buzzsprout and try to get your message out there. Let's create something great together. Oh man, that last segment got me so hype. If you're still here, welcome back. Oh man, we're going to transition into some basketball. Tonight we have game seven of the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. We also have game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Man, th- those those two, this game and that series is going to be a particular great one. But what I want to talk about is the burning question of the week pretty much. With all the football going on, all we do care about is game seven. Those are the best two words in sports, game seven. And the Los Angeles Clippers put themselves in a very precarious position. Look, look and look at this both ways. The Denver Nuggets are a team that don't die. The Denver Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets make you just scratch your head. How can a team be this good, this talented, and continually put themselves in these 3-1 holes? The Denver Nuggets are the first team in NBA history to have all their last four series go to game seven. So that says a lot about the team, but it also says a lot of bad, a lot, it says a lot of good things about it about the team, but it also says a lot of bad stuff about the team. Why do you keep putting yourself in this position? Why do you have to be in this position to show your best basketball? Maybe that's the formula for them to win. I don't know. But it doesn't make sense. But on the flip side, you got to look at the Los Angeles Clippers. Coming into this game, for you listeners, if you don't know, the Los Angeles Clippers were 0-6 with chances to clinch to get to the Western Conference Finals. The Clippers have never been to the Western Conference Finals. They had two chances to close out the Denver Nuggets. At no point in the series did I actually think the Nuggets were better than the Clippers. At no point. I don't care what the outcome of these games are. Yes, the series is 3-3, but for a casual person who does not watch the games on a regular basis and all they do is just watch highlights, they would think, well, this is a very even matchup. No, it hasn't been the entire series. The Clippers were just better than them. Period. But it's very baffling how the Clippers end up losing three leads and 15 points. This is the first time in NBA history that a team has blown multiple 15-point leads in a series. That's what the Los Angeles Clippers makeup is right now. All I've been hearing all season, including myself, I've said it a lot. The Clippers are just mentally tougher than a lot of teams. They're finally going to get it together, which at some points the show flashes as having it together. But now they put themselves in a 3-3 situation with a team that is, in my opinion, clearly inferior to them. All they have is Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. They have no one else. The Clippers have MVP, finals MVP, two-time defensive player of the year, Kawhi Leonard. They have Paul George. They have Montrezl Harrell. They have the three-time six-man of the year and another six-man of the year. The, four, the, the current winner, Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams. They have Doc Rivers. Why are they in a game seven with the Denver Nuggets with a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals? I'll tell you what. It's a simple philosophy. For those of us who have been watching the game, and this is going to sound ridiculous. When Zubak takes a rest, the, pl- the Clippers become worse defensively. That's one. Lou Williams is shooting 7% from the three-point line. The Clippers are negative 44 in the third quarters. Since third quarters of game number four, the Clippers have been outscored 118-84. to 84. In second halves, they've been outscored 124 points. That's what is happening to the Los Angeles Clippers in the second half of these basketball games. So, of course, for those of us who look at the game 
this is the conclusion you come to. The Los Angeles Clippers are okay building these leads and they think teams are just going to go away. This is the NBA playoffs. The Nuggets are not going to go away. I don't think any team would not go away. But to the Los Angeles Lakers credit, and this is something that I've hyped on and I've griped on the entire season with the Lakers as my team, as you guys know. The Lakers have a proficiency to also give up leads. They also tend to not play defense in particular times when they put themselves in situations. The Lakers lost two games, one to the Blazers and one to the Rockets. Games they should have never lost. But well, you know why they, they lost those games? Because they show no interest. They play no defense. They won't make no three-pointers. And the Clippers have that same tendency now. They build these leads. They make their shots. They, they feed off their offense. But then when the offense is not falling, it seems like arguably the best defensive team in the NBA, at least on paper, is not doing the things they're supposed to be doing to win games. There's no way you build 15-point leads with a chance to make the Western Conference and you're blowing these leads. What the hell is going on with the Clippers? But I must give the Denver Nuggets credit. You're down 15. You can just pack it in and say you're done. The other team's better than you, but they keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. Game seven, I don't know. I my initial thought is that this is going to be a toss-up. But at the same time, reluctantly, I'm still picking the Clippers because they I until I see it, I cannot believe that a team with Kawhi Leonard, arguably the best closer in basketball, simply because he has a mid-range game, the supposedly worst shot in, in basketball. At the end of games, you can have somebody go to the mid-range to get his own shot whenever he wants. Because the Denver Nuggets are not stopping Kawhi at all. They can't. There's an entire seven-game series to prove that. They can't stop him. So why would I believe now that Game 7, the Clippers would possibly blow another lead? There's evidence of that, but do you really think that's going to happen? I'm reluctantly picking the Clippers in a three-point win. You're going to make a couple free throws at the end to win that game. That's how I believe the Clippers are going to make it. And we're finally going to see the Los Angeles Lakers and the LA Clippers in the next round. If I'm the Lakers, I'm rooting for the Denver Nuggets. Because they're going to be tired as hell. And that's the team I want to play. If the Denver Nuggets make it to the Western Conference Finals, I'm telling you guys right now. It's going to be a 4-0 series. Book it. You heard it here on the Statman Sports Podcast, episode 88. It's going to be a sweep if the Lakers play the Denver Nuggets. I called it. Now, I want to transition over to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. I've done a lot of reading, a lot of research. I've looked at, I looked at a lot of tape. And what I can tell you guys is the difference this series is going to be pretty simple. Is Jalen Brown going to be consistent from the three-point line? And is Bam Adebayo going to abuse Tice down low? That is going to be the difference for the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. If Jalen Brown gets 25 plus points a game, the Boston Celtics are 16 and 1. So practically what I'm saying is if Jalen Brown gets 25 any type of game, the Miami Heat have no chance of winning. If Bam Adebayo gets 15, 10 and 5, the Miami Heat are practically unbeatable. What's the difference between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics that the Miami Heat have to deal with? They have guards that can actually create. They don't rely on one person to do everything as the Bucks did with Giannis. So they cannot build the wall. Miami is going to have their hands full trying to guard three particular players that can get their shot whenever they want. Campbell Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. Who arguably needs to be the best player on the floor every night for the Boston Celtics to be able to beat this vaunted Miami Heat defense. 
that series to me is also a toss-up because that can go any type of way because the miami heat have the best three-point shooting team in the nba percentage-wise during the regular season and also the playoffs even though duncan robinson it's is uh he's been struggling and i think his struggles will continue because he will have to be guarding either tatum walker or jalen brown <laughs> one of those dudes is going to go off so how is eric spolstra eric spolstra and the coaching staff going to handle that i believe if we look in the outlook for these seven games we don't know what's going to happen but looking at how both teams have been playing uh both teams have shown strength in many categories but the advantage like i said of the miami heath had they have bam out of bio i don't know if goran Dragic is going to be able to keep up with the young guards of like kemba and jason tatum um in the end though i believe that uh miami is going to have an advantage with bam He's going to create many fouls, which will put Miami in the penalty early, which will have allowed them for the three-point line to be open up. So, again, reluctant, reluctantly, I'm picking the Miami Heat in seven, but I would not be surprised at all if the Boston Celtics win the series in six or seven games as well. So, for right now, my prediction is going to be for the series, the Miami Heat are going to take this in seven games, reluctantly. But for game one, I'm taking the Boston Celtics in an easy win i call it 110 98 ah we've come to the end of another episode that was episode number 88 man we're 12 episodes away from 100 who man that's, it's been a long two-year journey and i enjoyed every moment of it i'm so excited i was so excited this week you know to record this episode i'm so happy man i'm so happy just to be back you know i feel healthy i feel good so let's make this happen i hope i recapped nfl week one for you guys the nba season i hope you got all the information that you needed and um i look forward to many more weeks of doing this with you guys thank you so much for showing that support but before i let you guys go you already know man you can find all the episodes on your favorite platform apple podcast spotify google play you can subscribe if you need to do that as well wherever your favorite platform is you can go to statmanpodcast.com to find notes about everything that we talked about and um, I'm looking forward to next week as well. And I hope you guys can come back and tune in. But for right now, Statman signing out, baby. Thanks for listening to the Statman Sports Podcast. See you next time.